Hello and welcome to episode 102 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. On this week's show you'll hear my thoughts on the weekend just gone and the action at the John Wilkie Memorial in New Zealand, my predictions for the Swedish Open and Classic this coming weekend, I'll answer listener questions and there'll also be two interesting interviews with Jamie Lewis and Anna Forsmark. First off, I want to touch on the action in New Zealand at the John Wilkie Memorial. Silver-graded event. Jonathan Tata won the, his first ever WDF title in the men's tournament, defeating Tahuna Irwin in the final. While in the women's tournament, top honours went to Wendy Harper, who beat uh, Victoria Monaghan in the semi-finals and Nicole Renault in the final to pick up her second ranking title of 2022. I had a slightly weird moment with the John Wilkie Memorial the other day because I, I was looking on the WDF website for something and it said the event was postponed and then I checked with people in New Zealand and you know, within a number of hours it wasn't postponed on the website anymore and, and never had been, so I don't know where that came from. But uh, on to the action. Uh, it was nice to see a different name win one of the men's events uh, in New Zealand. It's been great to see Hopai Puha and Ben Robb play so well, but it's also nice to, to see fresh faces now and again. Hope I had been to all the ranking finals in New Zealand this year, but he was off at the the World Series, and I have to say I was delighted to see him beat Johnny Clayton in Townsville. Uh, you know, when Hope I and I spoke before on the podcast not that long ago, he said that a big stage performance was coming from him, so it was nice to see him deliver it. And a win like that, with two more World Series events and and the DPNZ playoffs to come that later this year. Uh, that's going to do so much for his confidence. So, uh, yeah, really pleased for Hopi. But, you know, given how things are playing out in New Zealand this year with how dominant Hopi and Ben have been, it's hard to see that the DPNZ qualifier for Alexandra Palace being anyone other than, than one of those two guys. And that means that, you know, with those two top in the, the WDF regional rankings as well, the rest of the male players in New Zealand are effectively playing for, for third spot in that regional table and picking up a world championship place that way. You know, Jonathan Tata with the win, he's now up to third. And with a few events left, he could well be a name to keep an eye on for the rest of the year. In terms of the women's tournament, nice to see Wendy win again. She's now 13th in the overall ranking, so on course for a world's place through that system. Um, and it was nice to see Nicole Renault get to another final as well. Didn't win this time, but, you know, more form and more consistency from Nicole. And if she kind of keeps up at this point scoring pace... Uh, there's you know, very good potential that Wendy and her will get places through the main table and that will mean there'll be you know three women from New Zealand as well with, with Victoria already in the field after winning the New Zealand Open. The only other thing really to, to kind of touch on for, from the John Wilkie Memorial is Victoria Monaghan. So Victoria was on the show last week, of course, became the, f- the first trans player to win a WDF tournament, qualify for a world championship. And I want to say, first off, thank you for, you know, Victoria for being so honest on last week's show. It was one of my favourite interviews of the year. And also thank you for all the really nice feedback I've I've received on it as well. Um, I'm very self-critical usually of whatever I do, but uh, it was an interview that I was proud of. And to, to get, you know, feedback from people that I respect and trust, it, you know, it meant a lot. So uh, thank you for that. But uh, no, something that Victoria touched on in the interview last week was the treatment she received at the New Zealand Open with heckling and people banging objects when she was trying to throw in an awful lot of name calling as well. And, you know, she, in many ways, was probably more respectful than I would have been, didn't name names or chuck anybody under the bus. 
you know, I know who those people are from, from conversations I've had with Victoria and other people, but uh, I'm not going to say their names here. Asked Victoria how the atmosphere was at the, the John Wilkie, the second event, compared to the New Zealand Open. And she said that it was better, there were less issues, but it still wasn't a particularly welcoming or accepting atmosphere. But, you know, she's not going anywhere, so hopefully things will begin to change as the year progresses and I hope that, you know, when she comes over for the World Championships, wherever that ends up being, you know, she gets the reception that any other player would receive. The next event in New Zealand is the Taranaki Open in mid-September. But moving on, one man who won a title earlier this month was the Welshman Jamie Lewis. Jamie and I caught up last week to discuss him being inspired by Andy Fordham in the early years, his time in the PDC battling issues with anxiety, returning to the WDF circuit this year, his win at the Antwerp Open and his desire to be a seed at next year's WDF World Championships. I'm now delighted to be joined by the Antwerp Open champion, Jamie Lewis. Jamie, how are you? Good, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Good to get you on the show. It's been a, a good comeback year of sorts for you this year. Picked up that first WDF title in 12 years, but... And before we get into to all of that, I want to go back to the beginning for you. How did you first get into darts? I first got in really through my parents. My parents were out of putt um, and my dad played. He played at a decent level as well. He played for Wales himself. So I sort of just used to go around watching him play um, and then just sort of started picking it up myself then and just slowly got a bit better. And you say your dad played for, for Wales, was he the main inspiration for you growing up or was there somebody else in darts that you looked up to? Yeah, definitely my dad was the main one. Also was a massive fan of Andy Fordham as well because uh, he was playing obviously in the England team around the same time. So he was he was sort of my hero uh, when I was younger, but obviously, obviously my dad as well then. 2009 was kind of the year that you had a breakthrough as a youth player. You won the World Youth Masters in Bridlington and then you won the, the Youth World Cup over in the USA. I've seen a photo online of you and Tony O'Shea posing with the trophies in America. What was that like going out there and picking up that big win? Yeah, it was unbelievable that week was, to be fair. Obviously, going out to America at such a young age and stuff. And I, I, play, I played, that was my best year in the youth because I, I lost in the final of the European Cup youth as well. And obviously picked up the Masters and then went over to America and won that. Um, yeah, that was a great year for me in the youth. And that sort of gave me the sort of bugs to sort of the sort of BDO tour go then. Having lost the, the Europe Youth Cup final before, I think you'd lost the World Youth Masters the previous year as well. Had those defeats in the big games made those wins in 2009 a bit more special? Yeah, definitely. There was a few There was a few other finals I think I lost in as well. Um, I can't remember which ones now, but I lost a few youth finals leading up to the first one I won. And obviously it was a massive relief then to win the first one. And then obviously I won, I won back-to-back then really. So yeah, it was, um, it was a good month for me that. Mm, absolutely and then as you say you stepped up to the senior tour after that point and I know you got a semi-final I think it was in your first BDO competition how did you find the step up from from the youth side to the, the senior tour yeah obviously it was hard the standard was obviously a lot harder playing obviously against the seniors um, but I enjoyed it I did a couple of years um, on the BDO circuit before sort of giving Q school a go um, I was a bit unfortunate because I think both I was sort of the one person that missed out on Lakeside two years running. Um, so I was a bit gutted with that. Um, but then I got offered a sponsorship, but, which meant me going over to the PDC and I couldn't really turn it down. So obviously jumped over to there then. 
Hmm. So when you uh, played at the World Championship, the WDF World Championship qualifier at the end of last year at Lakeside, was that the first time you'd played at Lakeside? Yeah, I think, yeah, it must have been. I think it was, yeah. Obviously, I've not played on the stage there, but yeah, it would have been the first time playing in the venue itself. Uh, and what did you make of it? Yeah, it was good. I mean, you know, growing up, that's what I, all I used to watch was the Lakeside one. You know, I didn't used to watch the sort of PDC Worlds. It was all about the Lakeside. So it was some some. It was a place I always wanted to qualify for. So um, I mean, I kind of I thought my chance had gone when I missed my two chances those years ago. But I've obviously got another chance to give it a go now and try and get in this this year and play on the stage. Absolutely. Looking back, you know, when you were on the the BDO tour, the sort of the big success for you in terms of a senior event, you won the Welsh Classic in 2010, you beat Scott Marsh in the final. Are there any sort of standout memories that come to mind of that win? Joe, it's so long ago, I can't, I can't even remember who I played in it. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I beat Tony O'Shea on, in, on the way to winning that as well. But yeah, I, I remember being over the moon with that one because I'd obviously won a ranking title and it was in Wales as well, so it was a bit extra special. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a good win for me, that. Of course, and then... You came through Q School 2012 in the PDC for a number of years, but you know in those early years of being in the PDC, you were playing on the the youth tour, the development tour, alongside the main tour. Did you think having the, both of those going on at the same time was a help for you as a, a developing player? Yeah, it was definitely a bit of help because um, when I first started on the tour, it was very obviously very hard, and it was hard to get wins. So your confidence isn't quite there then when you're not getting the wins. So having the youth tour as well. I was getting a bit further in them and having some decent runs. I won a couple of them, I think. Um, so, yeah, they, they obviously helped um, build your sort of confidence up. Hmm. And how important is the confidence t- to your playing? You know, how much of a difference does it make to you when you're going into the venue for an event? I think it's fine. I think it's the main, the main thing you need, really. When I dropped off the door, I sort of lost it completely and it was hard to sort of get it back. For a, it took me a long time, but this year I've sort of picked it up and um, put it obviously more hours in on the board and um, definitely feeling more confident going into tournaments. It's mm, good to hear. You know, one of the highlights for you in the PDC 2015, you got to play in the World Cup alongside Mark Webster. Of course, you'd done the WDF Cups as you know, youth player and, and as a senior, but, you know, putting on that Wales jersey for the PDC World Cup must have been a special moment for you. Yeah, it was it was an amazing moment, but it was also probably the most nerve-wracking moment I've ever had in data. <laughs> Playing with Mark, I was so panicking about letting him down, and I, to be honest, I didn't really play uh, that well uh, that weekend. But it's always a privilege to play for your country, so definitely happy that um, I obviously made that. And uh, of course, a lot, you know, a lot for, of what people remember you for is that 2018 World Championship run where you came through the preliminary round all the way to the the semi-finals. Going into that week, did anything feel different for you in yourself in your game? Yeah, I mean it was a strange one because I come I come through the qualifiers uh, and I'd actually lost in the in the final of the, the qualifier, but I had a I had a last chance to with a third place playoff. Um, so obviously I won that and I went into the wheels and I was just just on form. I was practicing really well, felt really confident. Don't get me wrong, I didn't think I was going to get to the semis, but I knew I was going into it playing you know half half sort of decent. Uh, I think it helped me a bit having because I played the prelim game on the same night before I played Johnny Clayton. Mm. And I think that helped me a bit more than it. Obviously him, because I had a bit of a warm-up game before going on. And then after beating Johnny um, on the same night as well, I just kind of built confidence from there. And especially after beating Peter Wright as well, I, 
It was just an amazing week, to be fair. It was absolutely incredible. That performance against Peter, that 107.27 average. You know, when you're playing in the game, you're on the stage, you've got everything going on. Did you have any concept of how well you were actually playing? No, I, did, I literally didn't have a clue, to be honest. I, I thought I was playing half decent, but until I seen the stats um, at the end, I didn't realise it was 107, because when you're kind of in the zone and that, you're not really thinking about how well you're playing. Um, and I, I think I seen a stat after I was 3-1 up, I was on like 111 or something like that, which I literally had no idea I was, I was playing that well, to be honest. <laughs> you know, the last couple of years, come on to now, the last couple of years have been, you know, more challenging for you so does having that incredible run at Alexandra Palace to look back on was that useful for you when you were going through the more difficult times um I suppose it was and it wasn't because I was hoping to obviously kick on after that Ali Pali run and it didn't quite happen for me and then obviously dropped off the tour in I think 2020 so it's been a couple of years now but I'm giving this WDF a go now this year and Getting a lot, you know, getting a few wins under my belt. So I'm hoping that sort of builds my confidence up, ready for um, next year. You know, 2020 was, you know, when you sort of you you know announced that you were struggling with the anxiety issue and so on. What did you feel the the root cause of those problems was? Um, it's mainly just putting way too much pressure on myself. Um, like I said, after that World Semis, I really thought I was just going to kick on, uh, and when it wasn't happening, I was sort of putting loads of pressure on myself and when I wasn't getting the results then you get obviously more sort of anxious from that and it just all sort of build it up on me then. The standout thing you know that year was you played at the International Darts Open one of the, the, the few Euro Tour events over in Germany and you averaged you know 57 and you got an awful lot of abuse on social media after that and then took a break from the game how how bad was that abuse that you ended up getting? <laughs> Yeah, I got a lot of stick, to be honest, on Twitter and stuff. Um, I stayed off social media for a while after that because people were having a go at me as if I'd like done something wrong to them personally. They didn't quite understand it. But, um, yeah, obviously it was quite embarrassing having that 57 or whatever average it was and sort of on stream as well. But, you know, it is what it is now. I've sort of moved on from that now and I'm hoping to come back um, better and stronger, really. And what's your relationship with social media like now, then? Uh, I'm not on it quietly, it's freaking out. I mean, I'm still on Twitter and stuff, but I don't tweet as much as I used to. I used to sort of tweet, like, in between rounds and stuff. Like that, but I don't bother anymore because it's not worth it. You know you're going to get, sort of, someone's going to say something, whatever you do, really. So um, I'm, I'm a bit more chilled with the social media now, but I'm not I'm not actually that fussed if I get abuse now either. It's, just, it's just one of those things I just sort of ignore it and just don't, just don't read into it as much as I used to. Hmm, yeah. And would you say that, you know, when you went through those sort of darker times and, and you walked away from the game for a little bit, did you did you feel that you'd fallen out of love with darts? Not really. I think not really, because that's why I come sort of back, because it was hard. I was going to pack it in, and, like, literally, that, that was it. But it wasn't that long after when I was already missing it. It's, I've played it since I've been, like, seven, eight years old. So it's just like a game I don't think I'll ever want to not play. Hmm. It's just having a different perspective now and not worrying about what other people think and just sort of concentrate yourself. Hmm. And in terms of pressure on yourself, do you feel you still feel that you're putting pressure on yourself now or are you just sort of taking every game as it comes? No, I'm a bit more taking every game as it comes. I'm really enjoying this season. Like I say, I'm getting a, getting far to do with these WDF tournaments, which is obviously helping. 
but yeah, I'm enjoying this season. I'm hoping um, to qualify for Lakeside now in January and then um, sort of see where we go from there. And, uh, you know, 2020, the, the end of your time in the PDC, you did qualify for the, the World Championships and came from 2-0 down in the first round to beat Luke Woodhouse. When you got that win, it seemed like a big emotional release for you. Was that what, you know, you were feeling? Yeah, that was a huge win because I'd been playing so bad until then and I couldn't get a win. Like, literally anyone I was playing was beating me. You know, I was losing like 6-0, 6-1s on the tour and stuff, so... Together, I did like I did. I went into that game with no hope at all. But obviously, I went two 0 down and then came back. So it was a huge release, relief. Sorry for me uh, winning that game. But then I came up against Gezi then, who uh, obviously went on to win it. So I had a bit of a tough draw there. But yeah, I was quite happy to win that game. And I know last year you you didn't play an awful lot. Uh, was that partially down to the fact that you know you became a father for the second time last year? Um, yeah, I think there wasn't a great. I think because the COVID restrictions as well didn't didn't help. There wasn't a great deal else on. Um, I did a couple of the challenge doors. I missed a few, but I was mainly just trying to um, practice and, and get my get my head right and get back into sort of the the frame of mind I want to be in. Um, and like you say, we had our boy as well. Um, but yeah, this year now I'm doing a bit more, so we'll see. Hmm. And you know, going back to Q School this year. How did it compare for you compared to, you know, when you, you first went there in 2012? Yeah, it's a lot different. Now. I think it's a lot harder as well because of the way sort of over like seven days now. We're only, when, I, when I first got my card, it was only over like the four. We're now, it's a long week now. We you sort of got to be on it every day and, and you know, be focused every day. And it, it's, it's tough now. Uh, and I found that format quite tough. But um, well, I'm not sure if it's the same they haven't announced it yet, but if it's the same this year, I'll have to try and prepare a bit better for it. And in February, you linked up with MB Sports Management. How did that relationship come about with Michael then? Yeah, well, to be fair, Mike um, inboxed me. I think it was on Twitter or Facebook. I can't remember which one, but he inboxed me saying that um, he'd like to take me on, and you know he, he believes I can get back to you know where I should be, and and sent me you know a lovely message. To be fair, and I. Obviously, had a phone call with him after that then, and we agreed a contract and stuff, and Mike's been brilliant since, to be fair. He's backing me all the way now, and we've got a good relationship together. Hmm. And what's it like having someone like that behind you, who you know believes in you, is prepared to support you achieve your goals? Oh, it's massive. It's massive for me, because you know, knowing he's behind me and fully believes you know, in my ability and talent and stuff, it's great to have. It's great to have someone like that in your corner that you know, fully believes as much as you sort of do. Hmm. Yeah, of course. You've had, obviously, as, you, as you've touched on, some success on the WDF Tour this year. You know, you got to a semi in, in Scotland, then won the title in Belgium. But how much of the tour did you initially plan to do at the beginning of the year? We sort of sat down and had a look at it, and I, I was never going to do them all because it's quite grueling. You've got to go to so many countries and stuff. So we sort of had a look at it and looked at all the sort of gold events and then a few silvers, and we, we put a few in there, and we thought we'll see where we are at sort of, August, September time, and then we may, might add a few more on if need be, or see how we're sort of doing with the points. But yeah, we sort of planned it to go to a few, and well, luckily so far the, the ones I've gone to, I've, I've picked up points in most of them. So at the minute, it's looking quite good. But um, we'll see what happens out the rest of them. Your win at the the Antwerp Open, you played very well, beat some very good players. You know, Darren Johnson, Diego Portela, Andy Bartons. You, you know, averaged over hundred in the final. How do you reflect on that title win in Belgium? 
as soon as I got to the venue, I just felt good. Um, I don't know what it was, just just felt really good. Um, uh, like you said, I beat a few good players on route as well, um, and I beat a few of them quite comfortably as well, results-wise. So I was just starting off well each game and, and continuing it on, and yeah, just just sort of felt really good to be fair. And like you said, I had a hundred average in the final, hundred one average. So yeah, it was a great win for me that. And I noticed on on Facebook, Nick Kenny said it was the first time you two had travelled to an event together in, you know, eleven years. What's it been like being back at the WF events? Yeah, it's great because me and Nick obviously played youth darts together, so we did a lot of travelling together when we were youngsters. And yeah, it's been a while since being back at WGF. It's strange being back playing in the event because it's just a completely different setup to what you play in the PDC. But I'm enjoying it, really enjoying it. Hmm. And, you know, where do you feel your game is right now? Um, I think it's getting there, it's definitely getting there. Um, I'm putting the practice in, um, and like I said, the confidence is building with me. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm playing half decent. I've just got to keep it going now and, and keep playing sort of like I did on the weekend in the rest of the tournaments coming up. And um, it'd be nice to get another another title in my belt. Um, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> You've already qualified for the, the World Masters through your, your win in Belgium. You know, well on course to qualify for the, the World Championship now. Is sealing that spot of the world your main goal for the rest of this year? Yeah, but I've booked in my spot in Lakeside, sort of the main goal. It'd be nice to be a seed as well because I'm not 100% sure, but I think the top 16 may be a seed. So I just want to try and get as many points as I can now. And hopefully at the end, I'll sort of be as high as I possibly can in the ranking. So it might be a seed then for Lakeside. Nice one. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Jamie. I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best for the rest of the season. Yeah, brilliant. No problem. It was so nice to chat with Jamie last week. You know, he's someone who peaked so high in the PDC with that run to the World Championship semi-finals. And, you know, he had a very long career in the PDC, you know, eight years or so. And he's still a young guy and he's still got so much more to achieve in the sport. And it seems like after, you know, being in a difficult place, he's in a better place now. He's getting his confidence back and uh, he's heading back towards where someone with his natural ability should be. You know, he's got one title in the bag already this year, and you'd fancy him, if if he can keep up that level of performance, to pick up another one before the end of the ranking season. Jamie isn't in action this coming weekend, though, when the tour heads to Sweden for the Swedish Open and Classic, but his MB Sports Management stablemate Jordan Brooks is among the field. Uh, there's 160 players for the men's event and 51 for the women's. Those are for, for the Open on the Saturday. They're slightly lower on the Sunday, which is you know typical uh, for, for these weekends because of you know people's commitments and lifestyles and whatever. A friend of the show, Sean McDonald, who, who's playing in Sweden, he messaged me last week to ask if I thought the entries for Sweden were low. And I think I, think I probably do think they are low. Uh, I've not got the numbers from 2019 to hand, but... A double silver weekend, you'd certainly expect more than 160 men involved. Uh, I know Sweden is a, an expensive open to travel to, particularly for, for those people who tried to leave booking up till late notice. I know the flights were really expensive. Despite the numbers being slightly lower than expected, it's still an incredibly competitive field in both the men's and women's tournaments. Top seed in the men's tournament is the Dutchman Jelle Klaassen, who has, of course, been playing very well this year, won the Dutch Open, travelled out to Australia for the Australian Darts Open very recently. 
I'll avoid tipping Yeller to win anything this week, though, because every time I've tipped him to win previously, he hasn't managed to. So maybe I'm jinxing him. I'll, I'll steer clear this time, and he'll probably end up winning. Who knows? Uh, among the other seeded players to watch out for, Martin Turner's in very good nick. Same goes for his travelling partner, Darren Johnson, who was at the Live League last week. Dave Pallett is in tremendous form, and he had a, a great interview recently with our friends over at the Weekly Darts cast. Sean McDonald, John Scott, Anthony Allen... Chris Landman, Ryan Murray, Diego Portella, all thrown really good stuff this year and are capable of, of deep runs. And there is a you know a number of dangerous unseeded players, the likes of Denny Older Calter, Clifan Luang, Sergio Crasson, Thomas Junghans, Mike Gillett, Greg Ritchie. And I think it's one of those where the, the regional players involved are all very dangerous. And this is a it's an important weekend for, for the players in the, the northern European region. With only four events before the end of the year two silvers this weekend in Sweden and two bronzes in Latvia in a couple of months time there's not a lot more points left to accumulate to determine those world championship places so with more on offer this weekend in Sweden you'd think that the results here will largely shape what that table looks like and who those world championship qualifiers are going to be Uh, Andreas Harrison is the highest ranked northern European player on the main table at the moment, or at least eligible one, not not including the Russians. Uh, he's 11th seed for this weekend, Dirty Harry, and he'll be hoping for you know a big haul of points to help him on that regional table. But, I mean, there's a lot of other players in the region who are either in contention already through results earlier in the year or just through you know their natural ability. You've got Marco Cantella from Finland, the Torshavn Open champion Edwin Torbjörnsson, Ricky Nauman, Johan Engstrom, the Danish contingent of Simon Back, Alan Back, Benjamin Drorus, Ivan Madsen, Andreas Jorgensen, of course, the Icelandic legend Vitor Charua. Um, there's a lot of players there that will be in contention. I think picking winners is, is very tough. I feel like Chris Landman is bubbling away under the surface. He's had a few decent runs recently, and I think maybe this weekend he converts one of those runs into a title win. And I think one thing to watch for as well is on the Sunday is for Sean McDonald to have a deep run. He said on the show recently that maybe where he was lacking some competitive match practice, the second days of these weekends have suited him better than the first because he's kind of got his reps in, as it were, and he's hitting the ground running for that second day. And I think that will pay off in Sweden. You know, maybe he doesn't win a title, but certainly I would think that he will get a deep run on the Sunday. I think Dave Pallett's going to be there or thereabouts. Same goes for Martin Turner. And I also think Anthony Allen's going to have another good run. He's another one, a bit like Chris Landman. He's had a couple of decent results here and there. And uh, when he's on top of his game, Anthony, he's a very, very solid player. So I think he could have a good weekend as well. Looking across to the women's fields, Laura Turner is top seed ahead of Aileen de Graaf in second, Raymond Stanley in third, and Paula Jacqueline fourth. Vicky Prowm is the highest ranked home player. She's fifth seed with Anna Forsmark just behind her in sixth. Laura Turner played very well in Belgium, Antwerp recently, got to two finals, won one of them, and I think she'll probably continue that good form here with another final. Uh, and I think that my other main pick for the, the weekend is Aileen de Graaf to, to win something because she's had success in Sweden before. She obviously had a very good run at the, the Women's World Match play, and I think she's back to near her best at the moment, Aileen, so I think she will have a, a good weekend Looking at the rest of the field, uh, Kirsi Vinakainen from Finland is a player I really like. She's unseeded uh, this weekend, but she she's definitely a threat. Because there's only one World Championship place available through the, the regional tables for the ladies, 
it's realistically a, a three-horse race at this stage between Ingebjörg Magnus Dottir from Iceland, Norway's Rakna David, and the woman who's 55 points clear at the top of the table at the moment, Anna Forsmark. A long-time Swedish international, Anna has won three WDF titles this year, two in Hungary and one in the Faroe Islands, and certainly seems to, my perspective anyway, to be playing her best ever darts. Anna called into the show to discuss her career in the sport, why she started doing more of the tour over the last nine months, aiming to seal a World Championship debut next year, and why she's got Dory from Finding Nemo on her dart shirt. I'm now delighted to be joined by Sweden international Anna Forsmark. Anna, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. It's uh, nice to get you on the show. You've had a, a very successful year on the WDF tour so far. You've won three titles and uh, you know got to another final as well. But I want to start by going back to the beginning for you. How did you get into darts originally? Uh, well, that is quite some time ago. Um, my boyfriend at the time, he had a friend who was playing darts. And we went to see him and we were just supposed to having a night out and started with a little bit of a party at his home and he had a dartboard and well I didn't want to leave <laughs> so I really like that game of darts and that's where it's all started for me I think and uh, my boyfriend at the time his boss had a restaurant that restaurant he wanted to have a little bit of darts in there and stuff like that so we we started looking around if there was any dart clubs and there was one pretty close to us uh, in Vekhu. So we went there and I was hooked. Was dart something that you'd, you know, seen on the TV or, you know, seen competitions or was it you just started playing, you know, at that party? No, only at that party. I had never seen darts on TV or anything. Yeah, it was just, you know, I tried to beat the guys and... Well, it was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. And, the, you know, the area you're from in Sweden, is that a particularly strong area for darts? Well, I, I think it was. Um, when I started, it was pretty strong. Um, uh, there was a lot of clubs uh, quite nearby and, and a lot of series you could compete in. But um, Swedish darts has, you know, not as many clubs anymore and... And that's, you know, we have like one third left, I would say, or something, mm. approximately. Mm. So it was much, much more huge when I started than it is right now. Mm. And is there a, a moment that you can look back on where, you know, a, a breakthrough moment, if you will, where you realise that, you know, you were quite good at dance? <laughs> well, uh, I think it took very long time for me to realize that I was pretty decent. Um, first of all, I didn't have much money to go so many places. So, and uh, really good darts players in Sweden at the time, well, I thought I was much worse than them. So I was like, no, I'm not going to travel that far and get beaten. <laughs> so it took some time before I realized I was any decent, actually. So it was first when... When um, <laughs> when I started winning a lot in in uh, the latest series that I so I think it was like two thousand seven or something like that. 
started meeting mm. a few of the best in Sweden. Oh, no. I think I still have that problem, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Most of the time. So the the 2009 World Masters was your kind of first big trip uh, overseas for a dart tournament. What are your memories of, of that World Masters appearance? Well, actually, not much of the competition. <laughs> I remember mostly going there, traveling on the wrong side of the road, arriving in the uh, middle of the night, and the people that was supposed to... Uh, put out a key for the apartment for us, they didn't do it. And I'm not sure if it was me or if it was them that didn't understand the... Well, well, we had probably problems understanding each other, so so they thought we would come the next day and, well, we had to sleep in the car <laughs> till just a few hours before the competition started. So we were pretty worn yeah. and it didn't, go, it didn't go very well. <laughs> but, I don't have much remembrance more than it was a really big competition and and people were playing awesomely good and I was by far not close to beat best ones there. But it was fun. Yeah, of course. It was an experience. In 2010, you won the pairs at the the Nordic Cup. Was that the first uh, tournament where you'd been representing the Swedish national team? Yeah, it was. It was. They took me like you know, girl number four in the team, uh, and actually, I didn't, I didn't just win the Nordic Cup pairs. I actually won the singles too. We came second in teams event, and we won the whole lot, sort of. It was pretty huge for me. I was really well. If if there would be a moment when I realized that was pretty awesome, then it would be then. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Because, yeah, because that one I remember. That's a really fun memory. In the in the years after that, you won a few WF titles. I know you won the, the Finnish Open twice. You won the Adificator Open in Sweden. You won the Torremolinos Open as well. Are any of those event yeah. wins particularly memorable for you? Yeah, well, Torremolinos was really nice. We won the Travel Mixed also, I remember. And the final, I was up against Paula Jacqueline and I was like... Yeah, I was really scared. I would say, but I I pulled it I pulled it off and and I won the whole thing. So it was that was pretty special. I would say those titles were kind of you know one every couple of years or whatever, and you weren't doing yeah. the tour. Is that because of you know money limiting you to travel? Yeah, I would say it is mostly that, and also throughout the years, my work has also not been very kind on me traveling too much since I've been working you know with the weekends and stuff so so I always have to you know change with a co-worker or something so so that I can go now it's a little bit different so hopefully I can do a little bit more Hmm. Uh, and what is it that you do for work well I'm working with uh, autistic mentally um, ill people or I don't know the English word for it People that that has a really huge problem coping with their normal yeah day. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's a uh, obviously quite a you know a, quite a demanding job, but probably quite rewarding as well. Oh yes, of course it is. Definitely. Definitely. 
Mm. I like my job a lot. Look ahead to, to the 2017 World Cup. It was a very, you know, very good World Cup for, for Sweden. You got to the, the quarters of the ladies' singles and then Sharon Prince, who beat you, ended up losing in the final to your teammate Vicky Prowm. How how big was that, you know, Vicky winning the singles? How big was that for the Swedish team? Oh, it was wonderful. It was really huge. Um, first of all, going all that way to Japan was already a win for, I think, all of us. It's not every day you go there. And, and these three ladies I was there with, I would say we... Well, we make a really good team together, so we had a a really, really nice time there. Vicky doing so greatly, and, you know, the whole team was doing really good, so I think we came in second in, in teams event too when we were there. Yeah, I would say it had a huge impact on all of us. <laughs> and then, you know, obviously, we you know, soon after that, well, a couple of years after that, we ended up... Uh, Covid and lockdowns and whatever. I know it was a bit different in yeah. in Sweden, but I noticed that last year when the the tour restarted, you were going to a, a lot more of the events. I know you went to Spain, Hungary, Denmark. What what was the reason that you started to travel more? A couple of things. Work for one is have been um, more weekdays instead of weekends, so that makes a huge um, relief. So I can travel more, but. Also, I met uh, a Danish bloke actually in Spain. So, and he has been amazing and awesome travel partner. And well, love doesn't make it any harder to travel and do good. I think so. Well, a few different things that has made a difference. Well, he also wants to. He is also a dart player, so he also wants to try a little so <laughs> that makes a huge difference I think and I noticed that you know some of the events you, you've been to this year Slovakia Denmark Hungary whatever um, there's been a number of Swedish ladies you know three or four of you have gone to, to all of them are you getting some yeah. financial support from the Federation as well yeah actually Slovakia we got a little bit and also Denmark uh, we don't get all of it you know not the whole travel or or stay at a hotel or something but we get some uh, so for Slovakia I think we got the hotel money so we didn't have to pay for that and uh, Denmark the travel and yeah Faroe Island it was actually we had um, practice with the Faroe ladies before the tournament started hmm. so the whole team was there nice Look back to, to March of, of this year, very good weekend for you in Hungary. You won two titles in the space of two days. I mean, talk to me about that weekend. How special was that for you? Yeah, well, that was amazing, uh, of course. Well, a little bit lucky for me, I think, because there wasn't so many English ladies there that time. That also makes a huge difference, I think. But, uh, well, I think I, I think I, I practiced pretty good before and... Because of those other tournaments before that, uh, Slovakia and, and actually Hungary before in the autumn also made it, you know, my, my brain starts to maybe get a little bit easier on me and saying that, okay, you're not that bad, you can do it. So every time you travel and you get 
just a little bit of reward, it helps you, so of course. So I think maybe, you know, you have to travel more to, to be able to to do good. Well, that weekend I practiced good before I went there and, and I had a little bit extra luck perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, definitely and obviously you know gave you confidence for you know events after that you know as well yeah i saw i can't remember if it was it was that weekend i saw you on the stream or maybe you know another a competition but i saw you playing and i noticed on your dart shirt there was an image of dory from the finding nemo film now why is that on your shirt <laughs> yeah well um it's actually my swedish ladies team my team had uh, this coach a couple of years back. He was always telling us to keep on swimming. <laughs> and so when we decided to get our special own team, we started fresh sort of. Um, we decided that Dory would be a good name because we are a little bit confused, all of us. <laughs> Especially me, I would say. <laughs> so, well, we just found it nice and, and funny so that fish is a little bit of a reminder of who we are uh, no I love uh, it I love it it's brilliant yeah and now actually we have a little bit of a men's team also with dory shirts on from the beginning it was only us ladies <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> if you uh, have seen uh, one of those funny uh, cartoons it's it's like saying Dory is saying, oh, I'm never going to drink again. And then she says, oh, look, wine. That's a little bit how the team is. <laughs> so oh, that's fantastic. it is just us, yeah. <laughs> April of, yeah. of this year, you've touched on it already. You went over to the, the Faroe Islands for the events there. It was the first time the Faroe Islands has had uh, WDF ranking competitions. What was the, yeah. the setup like over there for those tournaments? They did a really, really nice and, and awesome tournament. Um, uh, it was like they have done it a lot of times before. And I would say Faroe Islands um, maybe has not at the moment the greatest dart players, but, but um, they were much better than you could imagine for such a small small country. Mm. Or, well, country is it's a Danish island but but yeah there are not so many people that play starts and and they are really awesome mm. at it so surprisingly mm. good well i suppose with the weather they probably can't do a lot outside <laughs> yeah well the weather i didn't like it was pretty hard to to for the well maybe the pilot didn't think it was hard to go down with the plane but it didn't feel comfortable <laughs> i can tell you that much <laughs> it was very windy but it went okay. Mm, yeah, I mean, definitely went okay. You, you know, you won a title there. You got to a semi-final as well. Would you say that the darts you've have played this year on the tour is is the best darts you've ever played in your career? It certainly would be at least as good as the best. <laughs> well, I'm not one hundred percent sure, but probably I'm more sort of. I can't find the word for it, but. I have a little bit more higher ups, sort of, <laughs> and not as much downs. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's <laughs> the best. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, maybe uh, more consistent. 
Uh, the Nordic Cup earlier this year was, you know, very successful for the the, the Swedish ladies. I know you you won the pairs, Vicky won the, the singles, yeah. and uh, you won the team event as well, I think. Um, and yeah. you know, you've got the the Europe Cup next month. How do you think that the Swedish team are going to get on at the Europe Cup? Well, I definitely believe in us. Um, I wouldn't want to say well. And up, but I think we have a pretty decent chance of getting a little bit higher up, uh, like best five. Well, I would love to say number three or number two at least, but but yeah, it's hard to tell. But a good chance of being one of the best of the five. You know, this time next weekend, it's the the Swedish Open, Swedish Classic. What what would it mean to you if you could win a WF title? You know, in your home country. Oh, that would be amazing, of course. That would be a dream come true. But uh, <laughs> I still have a little bit of problems with with all of these ladies that I really sincerely think is super, super awesome. And my brain still says I have a little bit work to do before. But And I think it's a little bit too early to say that I would do it but I believe anything could happen so Sweden's part of the, the North Europe region uh, four events left to go two in Sweden and then two in Latvia you're currently top of the the regional ranking table which would get you into the, yeah. the world championship next year is qualifying for the world championship your main goal for the rest of the year yeah definitely definitely that is what I'm working for mostly for the time being. So that is the first goal. And then I'm hoping that maybe one day soon that I can do it on the moon instead. Hmm. That would be more amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Anna. I really appreciate it. And I wish you the best of luck for the rest of the year. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for having me. <laughs> It was lovely catching up with Anna. She said in advance of the interview she was worried about her English, but, you know, it was great. Certainly far better than the three or four words I know of Swedish. I look forward to seeing Anna and, and all the other players in action in Sweden this coming weekend. Thankfully, all of it will be on Dark Connect and the finals will be streamed on the Swedish Federation's YouTube channel. That's what I like to see and hear. Before I wrap up this week's show, I've got a few listener questions in from friend of the show, Patrick Boos from Darts Actuel. First one is, will I be attending the WDF World Masters in December? I really want to. Uh, the World Masters hold so much interest for me with so many players being involved and the tournament having such international representation. I think there are so many cool stories to follow. Uh, I think from a you know personal point of view, there's so many interesting interviews that I want to be able to do and it, you know it's a tournament I'd love to kind of be involved in in some way and of course world championship qualifiers attached to it you know maybe one day everything would fall into place but also I've always wanted to experience an event in Aston as well and just see how smoothly the NDB managed to run things over there at the moment I'm not sure if I will or not it largely depends on the WDF fully confirming 
everything for both the World Masters and the World Championships and how my work holiday annual leave allocation lines up. I certainly am planning to be there though at this stage and I hope to see you Patrick and the rest of the darts actuarial team if I am there. If I had to choose at this moment in time who would be my 2023 WF World Champions for the men and the women, I'll do the women first because I think that's the easier one to answer. Bo Greaves has been so good this year, both before winning the world title and since. And the only times this year she's lost in competitions, it's been through the other person playing extremely well. It's been in a close way. You know, she's not got blown out by anybody and lost 4-0. She's lost 4-3, 5-4, that kind of thing. Uh, and I think you give her the set play environment and you give her a week to kind of run through the tournament. I don't see anybody beating her. I think she wins it again. Now, a lot can change between now and then, but that's certainly how I'd see it. The men's is a lot harder, though. It was wide open this year, which is why you saw almost everybody getting talked about, various different players being backed at various different points. I mean, I thought Martin Adams was going to win it, so shows how wrong we can all be. I think it's going to be the same next year, though. There's no one dominant force on the tour and... You know, there are a lot of people that are consistent, but they've never proved it in a world championship setting. But, you know, as Neil Duff proved last year, you don't have to have been there before to be able to go up there and win it. Talking of the Duff man, he seems incredibly motivated right now. You know, on the show recently, he promised that big darts were coming from him. And then he went over to Australia and won the Pacific Masters. He's got the Live League coming up. He's got the Champion of Champions. He's off to the Catalonian Open weekend. He's got the British events, he's got the English events, he's got the Europe Cup. He's going to be a very busy man before the end of the year. And I think with that motivation, you know, wouldn't shock me if he went back and won it again. You know, he's the sort of person who is not going to be phased by the occasion and he's got the mentality to win it. And, and if you've got the mentality to do it, you're more than halfway there. James Hurrell is playing well this year. You know, he's he's got over the hump. He's playing at the World Championships. You saw the nerves in his first game. But, you know, second, third games at Lakeside, he was much better. So maybe come back this year. Hasn't got the same amount of pressure. I think he'll be really strong. Yellow Klaassen's obviously won a world title before. So you wouldn't want to bet against him going again. Luke Littler has the potential to, to go and win it. You know, this past weekend, he won at an England Darts Youth Grand Prix event. He won the final 5-1. And I think... The five legs he won, he produced ton plus checkouts in all of them, or all but one of them. You know, the kid's unbelievably talented. Uh, he's a great lad as well. And I think he's got got the game to do it. Whether he's ready at, you know, 15, 16 to do it, I don't know. But certainly not beyond the realms of possibility that he could do it. I think at this stage, Neil Duff retaining it feels as likely as anything. Um, but, you know, it could easily be a a James Richardson or, or somebody else. And I think that's what's exciting me for, for the World Championships, as and when it all gets confirmed with venue and prize money and TV and all of that. And then the last question from Patrick, which players outside the WDF World spots at the moment would I love to see qualify in the second half of the year? The obvious answers for, you know, from someone like me are going to be the older guys, the guys I grew up watching on TV, the likes of your Martin Adams, your, your Tony O'Shea, players I've looked up to and admired over the years, you know, the more older, experienced players, the likes of a Wayne Warren or Justin Thompson, who won the Australian National Championships this past weekend. 
think looking beyond that, I think Nick Kenny, friend of the show, he's someone I'd love to, to get in. He's sitting outside the top 100 of the WDF right now, but got a good run to a semi-final in Belgium, and he's got a lot more events booked up for the, the back end of the season, so I think he will probably get there. There's a lot a lot of characters that I'd like to see, and you know, players with real personality and fun stories behind them. I think Alex Spellman from the USA is a name I'm looking at. He's a guy on the up and up, got to two finals on the CDC Tour recently, won a tournament on ESPN recently in the States. His dart shirts are really cool. They've got all sorts of Egyptian hieroglyphs on them. And uh, like me, he works in the video games industry. So, yeah, he's certainly somebody I want to be able to talk to and I want to be able to talk to him because he's qualified for the world or, or something like that. And I think something else I'd like to say as well is I'd like to see Canadian and Asian representation in the World Championships because at the moment, of course, those regions don't have enough to, to get people in. But for me, the World Championships, the more global it is, the better. So I'd love to see Makuru Suzuki and Paul Lim and Nick Smith and Rory Hansen and Jim Long and players like that coming through those regional tables. So that's something I'd love to see. Hopefully those regions can get some events with points on before the end of the year. On the women's side, there's, of course, a couple of names as well. Uh, Nicole Renault's going to be there or thereabouts. Obviously, she's someone I think an awful lot of as, as a player. Uh, I'd love to see her get that World Championship shot. Lisa Rashton, of course, the tournament would be better for her being in it. Trina Gulliver, of course, a legend of the game. would love to see her back on that World Championship stage. I actually wrote a piece on Trina's career and, and legacy for this year's Lakeside programme and she actually reached out to me to say how touched she was by the piece which was you know really nice Ros Bulmer I think there's a lovely story there for, for Ros to qualify so that'd be a nice one and Brenda Moreau in, in Canada she's someone who's been on the show before goes back to what I was saying about regional representation she's probably the best female player in Canada right now her or Maria Carly so one of those two getting in would would certainly be really good but to be honest, you know, anyone with an interesting story, um, you know, qualifies for who I would love to see. But obviously that would take us well over the 48 men and 24 women. Uh, but I hope that answers all of your, your questions, Patrick. And that's all for this week's show. Big thank you to Jamie and Anna for their time and to you guys for listening. Your support is always greatly appreciated. I'll be back next week for episode 103. But in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at amsinclair 97 you can follow the podcast at Inside the WDF. You can like the Facebook page, Inside the WDF. And you can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you on the other side.